Hi, this is Pastor Curtis. I want to thank you for checking out the Family Church Podcast. I hope it encourages you and inspires you to take your next step of faith. You can find out more about how to do that at our website, familychurch.xyz. And if you know a friend who needs to hear this message, please forward it on to them. I hope you enjoy the message. So good to be back with you this week after presenting in the Pacific Northwest uh, Marriage Encounter in Seattle last week. Neither one of us, neither Sue or I, had been to that part of the country before. And I got to be honest, it didn't disappoint. Um, Ate some great seafood. Uh, Even got to spend a few hours downtown at Pike's Market. Saw him throw the fish, you know. And uh, the greater highlight, though, the greater highlight was getting to share about God's plan for marriage with, with eight couples um, so, uh, so thank you for allowing Sue and I to present uh, at these weekends two or three times a year because Marriage, marriage Encounter, if you've been coming here for very long, you know this. That's a ministry that's very dear to us, and I know that there are many here in the church that have experienced the blessing of a weekend. But it's good to be back, and as always, Kyle knocked it out of the park last week uh, talking about prayer. So as we continue our Firm Foundation series this morning, we're going to talk about another important building block for our faith and transformation, and it's worship. I'm going to warn you up front, this week's message is going to be a little uncomfortable for some of you. Uh, So I want to begin this morning's message with this statement. We all worship something. We all worship something. Even, Even if you don't consider yourself to be a Christian, still you worship something or someone. We can't help it. God created us this way. We are all hardwired, as it were, to worship. And our worship is our response to the things that we value most. That's what worship is. It's our response to the things that we value most. And we all have something that's important to us, right? We all have something that's important to us. Might be your car, might be you know, your favorite sports team, it might be a hobby, golf, fishing, uh, might be uh, shopping, it might be money. But to be clear, God doesn't mind us having things. No, that, that's not the issue. God doesn't mind us having things. He just doesn't want the things to have us. He doesn't want anything coming between before him in, in our lives. He wants to be number one in our lives. So regardless of what you think about worship, or even if you think it, or maybe you don't even think about worship, here's what you need to know. Worship is how you respond to what you value most, which leads us to our main idea for this week's message. Worship is love expressed. That's what it is. Essentially, that's what worship worship is love expressed. It's a verb. It's something we do, not something that we think or something that we feel in our heart. All of us, all of us have something that we value greatly, and how we respond to that thing or that person would be defined as worship. And if you're not sure, listen, if you're not sure what it is you worship, then I'm going to have you look at two things. Look at your daily schedule and look at your checkbook. Look at your bank statement. If If you want to draw that in, if you want clarity on what it is you worship, then look at those two things, your daily schedule and your bank statement. Because the things that we worship are the things that we're invested in. So I want us to begin by looking at Luke chapter 19, verse 37. When he, talking about Jesus, when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd, and then this, was, this is the triumphal entry, by the way, right at the beginning of the Passion Week. Where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices. Really? Loud voice? Why loud voices? For all the miracles they had seen. 
Here's what they were saying as they praised Jesus. Verse 38. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some translations say, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. So you had all these people shouting and praising Jesus with loud voices. And this upset some of the religious folks. This upset them who happened to be there. And so they approached Jesus. And this is what they said in verse 39. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. See, there have always been religious folks who will tell you, no, you're not supposed to worship that way. You can't worship that way. We have a certain order. We have a liturgy. So Jesus, you need to correct your disciples and tell them to stop praising you and shouting and singing out loud. And look at Jesus' response in verse 40. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. In other words, Jesus says, no, no, no. They're actually doing the right thing because this is what real worship looks like. So what does God like when it comes to our worship? What does he like? Well, fortunately, we don't have to guess because there's actually a book that covers this topic. It's called the book of Psalms, and it happens to be the longest book in the Bible, 150 chapters, which tells me this must really be important to God for him to write 150 chapters on this topic of praise and worship. And he used men like Moses and King David, mostly David, to write this book. And when you read through the Psalms, they're all expressions of praise and worship that for the most part don't look at like anything that you see in most churches on Sunday mornings. In fact, the praise and worship that's described in the Psalms resembles more of what takes place at Arrowhead Stadium on Sundays. The thing is, when you act like that at a stadium or an arena or a gymnasium, you're called a fan. When you act like that at church, you're called a fanatic. I warned you. There are no less than seven different Hebrew words for praise. Actually, Pastor Jared, a couple summers ago when we had our, our nights of worship, he actually uh, covered these, and I'm just going to kind of go over them as, kinda, uh, as a refresher. Seven different words for praise. So as we look at each of these, remember, remember that this is how God wants us to worship him, okay? As we look at each of these terms for praise, expressions of praise, that's what we're talking about. This is how God wants us to worship him. And the first one is hallel, H-A-L-E-L, -E would be the English transliteration. The meaning is to rave, boast, celebrate, or, are you ready for this? To be clamorously foolish. Clamorously foolish. This is the root form of the English word hallelujah, that, that yah at the end is short for Yahweh, so it's basically celebrating Yahweh is what the word means. In the Greek lexicon, or excuse me, in the Hebrew lexicon, it literally says, one of the meanings of this word is to be clamorously foolish. In other words, God actually likes it when we get a little undignified, a little bit crazy for him. Remember when David, King David, after when he's bringing the Ark of the Covenant back after being gone all those years, and he, he's, they're, they're escorting it in, and he's dancing before the Lord. And his wife, she got upset with him. She got upset. She said, what, how come you're, you're acting like a fool like that? And he said, you know what? I'll, I'll be even more undignified than this because I'm dancing before my king. I'm dancing before the Lord. God likes it when we get a little crazy when we worship. And if, that, if this bothers you, then, then let me ask you a question. Why is it okay to yell and clap and scream at Allen Fieldhouse or get loud and crazy on Saturdays at Bill Snyder Stadium, but God forbid that we get too loud at church here on Sunday morning? 
Psalm 35, 18, then I will thank you in front of the great assembly. I will hallel, I will praise you before all the people. Let me tell you something. Low key, reserved, conservative praise, all that does is protect our ego. And I'm telling the truth whether you believe that or not. Low-key, reserved, conservative praise, all that does is protect our ego. I want to challenge you. You don't just, don't just give God the kind of praise you want to. Give him the kind of praise he wants. This is what he wants. That's what I'm trying to tell you. And apparently, there are times when he likes us to get a little animated when we worship him. He's okay. He doesn't get nervous. Why should you get nervous? And why should you care about the person next to you who gets nervous? They didn't die for you. Boy, I sure got quiet. Some of you are already thinking, we want Kyle back. Why don't you go on and do another weekend? Give, give us Kyle back. So what's the big deal about lifting hands in church? Why, why do we raise our hands when we worship God? Well, the short answer is because he wants us to. And he's, he's the big guy. He's the big guy. Look, this isn't something that man came up with. This is what God wants us to do. If God says, I want you to stand on your head and stick your tongue out when you worship, that's what we would do. I'm glad he didn't, but. <laughs> Psalm 131, Psalm 138.1, I will praise. The, the, the second word is yada. I forgot to go over that. Yada, not Yoda. That's a little green guy with the pointy ears, but yada. Uh, the, the, the meaning here is to acknowledge God in public with extended hands, with extended hands right? With extended hands. Again, we have no problem when Travis Kelsey scores a touchdown or when Deuce Vaughn breaks a long run for a touchdown. We have no problem, right? But Sunday morning, whoop, we, 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 get that, we get that best man, right? Is that what we do? Psalm 138, verse 1, I will praise, I will yada you, Lord, with all my heart. I don't remember how long it was after I got saved that I first raised my hands in a praise and worship service. I know it wasn't right away. So I have sympathy for people that come here, you know, for the first time and, and aren't used to worshiping the way we worship. Hey, I've been there. I, I, I have sympathy for, for people like that because I know where I was. You know, I, I, was, I was weirded out. Part of me was looking for an exit strategy and part of me was strangely attracted to it. I didn't realize it at the time, but that's that, that's that part of me that's hardwired for worship. That's the part that was kind of attracted to it. It was weird, it was different, but man, it was, it was kind of, I was just, you know, strangely attracted to it. My point being, it's okay if you're a little cautious or hesitant about the way we worship. If that's not what you're used to, I get it. But here's what you need to know. You can worship God that way, the way that you are doing it currently. Yeah, you can worship him. But if you want to worship him the way that he wants to be worshiped, then it's going to involve getting a little animated, clapping and raising your hands. I'm not saying that I want you to do that. I'm saying that's what God wants you to do. Third word, Barack, as in like our former president, Barack Obama. Barack, to bless by kneeling or bowing, perhaps a more descriptive word would be surrender. You could picture it this way. Surrendering, surrendering is raising our hands. Totally surrendering is kneeling or bowing. That's what makes the Hebrew language so colorful, so expansive, because there's all these different expressions for, for praise and for worship. So 
Barak. Psalm 103, verse 1. Praise, Barak the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. It's talking about your emotions. Praise, Barak his holy name. Again, just, just a simple but beautiful expression of worship. Fourth word is zamar. Z-A-M-A-R is the English transliteration. Making music to God with strings. I'm going to read this straight from the Hebrew lexicon as well because th- th- this is really interesting. It says, zamar implies the use of string instruments. It's the idea of making music by plucking strings with fingers and singing praises to God. And, 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 and I, and I want to drill down on that word plucking. It says plucking, not strumming. There's a difference. There's a difference. Strumming, strumming is, is, is a broader technique for general sound. Plucking is more precise. Strumming would be like the rhythm guitar. Plucking would be like the guitar solo. In, in classic rock's term, strumming would be James Taylor's You Got a Friend. Uh, plucking would be Leonard Skinner's Freebird. It's kind of the difference. It you know, just get a little bit more intense and loud in there. In other words, God likes us to get the lid off sometimes when we, when we praise and worship him. He's okay with that. Psalm 92.1, it is good to zamar the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High. Psalm 50, verses three, 150, verses 3 to 5. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and what? What's that say? Does, it say, does your Bible say dancing? Does it say dancing? You better cut that out of there. We, dancing? Anyone grow up in a church that was known more for what they didn't do than for what they did? Anyone? Sue and I actually worked at a church one time where um, we, we, were, we were asked not to attend movie theaters while we were working at the church. Now, we could watch movies at home on our TV. We could go rent movies, but we couldn't go to a movie theater to watch movies. Yeah, I know. It's like the guy... <clears throat> I met once who told me that the church that he grew up in had two hard, fast rules. You didn't, go, you didn't play cards and you didn't go to dances. He said that they were so set on this that they didn't even believe in premarital sex because they thought it would lead to dancing. <laughs> I don't care who you are, that's funny. <laughs> Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the, notice not just the symbols, but with the clash of symbols. Praise him with resounding, resounding symbols. No, no, no. Symbols, you, you, don't, you don't you play symbols. How do you play symbols? Symbols are always bam, right? I'm going to tell you, if you think our worship is loud, you're going to hate heaven. You better take some earplugs with you. Because there's not just worship in heaven. There's worship 24, I mean, constantly, constantly. Fifth word, Shabbat, to address in a loud tone, to, to shout. God likes it when we get loud in our worship of him. See, people don't think twice about shouting, getting loud at a football game or some other sporting event. In fact, the louder, the better, right? Around here, we take pride in the fact that Arrowhead Stadium holds the Guinness Book of World Records for the loudest stadium in the NFL, right? 142.2 decibels. Think about that for a minute. How loud you can get for a bunch of guys who don't even know your name but won't even clap or lift your hands for the God who has the hairs on your head counted. As the king of the jungle, lions are usually predators, but occasionally a wounded lion will become prey for another predator. But, but do you know how, the, the, you know how the, the predator who's looking at a lion as, a, as possible prey, you know how they know when to attack the lion? 
when it quits roaring. Here's why. As long as it's roaring, they know that there's still fight in that lion. There's still fight, still fight in that lion. You know, I could do an entire series on the topic of worship and warfare, but no question the most effective weapon we have against the adversary is our praise and worship. Natalie was sharing with me yesterday morning. She got up. She's running that half marathon, and she got up. She really wasn't feeling well. Went there, was in the chute, ready to go, and so she pulled. You know, had her earbuds and had her pulled her phone out, pulled up Family Church uh, Spotify worship set, started playing it, and she said almost immediately she just felt this peace and just kind of her stomach quit hurting. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, praise is a powerful, powerful tool powerful tool. The point being, no matter how we feel when we come here on Sunday mornings, no matter how wounded or hurt we are, no matter how bad or crappy of a week that we had, when we worship God the way that he wants to be worshiped, we're showing the enemy that there's still some fight in us because (laughs) we serve the lion of the tribe of Judah. I'm preaching about 93% better than you guys are responding. That's all I know. (laughs) Psalm 63 verses three and four, because your love is better than life. Better than golf, better than camping, better than football, better than kids, even better than grandkids, if that's possible. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. Sixth word, todah, to lift hands in adoration. This is the second Hebrew word for praise that refers to the lifting of our hands in worship, as if God's trying to make a point. He likes it when we lift our hands to him. He likes that when we lift our hands, when we worship him. What makes this different from yada is yada refers to the lifting of our hands as a way of identifying with Jesus. Toda refers to the lifting of our hands in surrender to God. Kind of two sides of the same coin. This is just a simple way of telling God, hey, look, I realize you're God and I'm not. Psalm 50, verse 23, whoever offers praise glorifies me and to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. And then the last word, I save the best for, best for last, tequila. Tequila sounds like tequila. Doesn't it? Gets the same results with no hangover. <laughs> exuberant singing. The word means exuberant singing. Psalm 34.1, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise, his tequila will continually be on my lips. And some of you just found your life verse right there, didn't you? Right? So when you're feeling down, go take a couple shots of tequila. In my mind, I thought that would scratch that out of there for the next two services. Psalm 108, verses 1 and 3, oh God, my heart is fixed. In other words, this is non-negotiable. I've made up my mind on this matter, and I don't care what the person beside me or in front of me or behind me thinks. I will sing and give praise. Praise. Some of you need to leave here with an I will in your heart about worship that you're going to love and worship God the way that he wants to be loved and worshiped, not the way that you're comfortable worshiping him. Even with my glory, I will praise yada thee. O Lord, among the people, I will sing praises to unto thee among the nations. So seven different ways that God, that God likes to be worshiped. But why? Why is this even important? Right? Does, it, does it matter? Does it even matter? Well, it does. And the reason it matters is wrapped up in the main idea. Worship is love expressed. The best way to show our love for God is when we worship him according to his love language, the way that he wants to be worshiped. See, it's not worship if it's not love, and it's not worship if it's not expressed. Those of, those of you say, well, I don't love like that. I just love God in my heart and in my mind. He knows how I feel. No, this isn't about how you want to be loved. This is about how he wants to be loved. Did you hear me? 
This is about how he wants to be loved. And the best way to love someone is by loving them according to their love language, not yours. And God's love language is praise and worship. God, you don't tell your wife, I told you the day we got married, I loved you. If things change, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, try that. Let me know how that goes for you. They want to hear you tell them that you love them and see you express your love in tangible ways. In fact, Jesus even tells us how to love the Father. It's found in the greatest commandment, Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, all your heart and soul. This is, this is simply expressing affection for God, affection for God. This is letting God know how much we love and adore him and our desire to express that love to him. Ultimately, because listen, ultimately God doesn't want our song service or our clapping or our shouting or our raised hands. You know what he wants? He wants us. He wants you. That's, that's what he wants. All your mind. How do, how do we love the Lord with our mind? By focusing our attention on him. That This is just a constant awareness of his presence. Just, just checking in with him mentally throughout the day. One time I was over here at the church uh, doing some studying and my wife uh, sent me a text with one of those little, little faces with a little emoji, you know, blowing the little hearts, uh, you know, with the heart eyes. And, and uh, she said, I just, was just thinking about you, wondering when you were coming home. I texted her back, I'm on my way. <laughs> I don't have five kids because I like kids, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> just, We can worship God the same way, just, just pr practically throughout the day. You know, God, I'm just letting you know, I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking about you. And you know what? I guarantee you God's going to be more impressed with that than a 30 minutes or an hour constant with him. Just, just every now and then, God, I just want you to know I'm thinking about you. Can't wait to get home and, and you know, read my word or, you know. And then lastly, God wants us to worship him with all our strength. What exactly is our strength? Is that not what we do? Our strength is what we do. In other words, God likes it when we use our abilities for him. Everything that we do, should, we should do as an act of worship unto God. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord. As working for the Lord. So, you know, there, there's just, we can worship God in very practical ways. Sometimes, see, sometimes Sue doesn't need lover boy. Sometimes Sue needs lawn boy. Sometimes Sue needs to take those dishes out of the dishwasher, boy. Sometimes Sue needs you better power wash the deck, boy. You know? I mean, she loves the hugs and kisses and everything, but that lawn ain't going to mow itself. And I gladly do those things because I adore her and I love her. Why do we worship? Let's let the Apostle Paul answer that for us. Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you and I am urging you. Paul's urging them, those he was, I'm, Curtis is urging you. Pastor Curtis is urging you. Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, the fact that he died for your sins and has spared you the punishment that you deserve to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. He doesn't want dead animals anymore. He wants a living sacrifice. He wants something holy and pleasing to God. This is your, and here it is. Here's the reveal. Here's the reveal. What's holy and pleasing to God? True and proper worship. Why do we worship? Because we are never more at the center of God's will than when we're worshiping him the way he wants to be worshiped. The way he wants to be worshiped. But here's the deal. You'll never know how good God really is unless you go all in with him. So who's ready to go all in?